Trap World! It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen every day, free on all platforms, five days a week, your only daily trailblazers podcast. Start your day listening to Locked on Blazers. You'll enjoy it, I promise, and then tell your friends to do the same. If you like it, they'll like it too. We'll give you something to chat about. It's your team every day here on Locked On Blazers. Fun show for you today. We're going to talk about the NBA.com's uh, NBA GM survey and what they did uh, to sleep on your boy Damian Lord. We're going to talk a little bit about Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson. And then we get a listener question to close the show. It's going to be a bunch of fun. Let's get into this NBA GM survey. Every year, John Schumann does an NBA GM survey where... Uh, all 30 teams are sent a survey to answer some sort of basic questions kind of about like who's the best player at best, you know, best at X position, who's the most, who's the best coach, who's the best offensive coach, what player, you know, breaks defenses the most, all those things kind of, it's, it's, um, it's a perception survey. It's like, it's not anything else than just sort of like, what is the perception at, at this exact moment in time? Like a, taking some, taking the sort of the league's temperature at a moment in time, um, I will say this. I know from my time around the NBA that it's not every GM fills this out. Someone in the Blazers front office will fill it out. Uh, and then Joe Cronin, if you did fill it out, email me. Uh, uh, Locked on com. But like someone in each NBA and each front office fills it out. Who, who that is specifically is a little bit different. But uh, it's... I think it's a good test of kind of the perception around the league. And there's a, there's a lot in here. Uh, the Blazers get, didn't get any votes for one of the top four teams in the Western Conference, which um, the way it shook out, nine other teams did get a vote for top four in the conference, which means like in some ways the Blazers are considered the 10th best team in the West, which I think is in general the sort of outside perception of this team. Uh, Luka Doncic and Giannis Antetokounmpo are considered the MVP front runners. Evan Mobley is considered the most likely to be a breakout player. Jeremy Grant got a vote for most underrated acquisition. Blazers got a vote for what team will improve most this season, which I think is true. Uh, Shaden Sharp did not show up on what, which rookie will be the best in five years uh the other the first five picks in the draft all got a vote number six got a vote number eight got a vote but the seventh pick in the draft Shaden Sharp, Shaden Sharp did not get a vote yikes um that just seems kind of <laughs> unlucky more than anything else uh it just like Dyson Daniels got the vote and he didn't um uh Shaden Sharp got a vote for biggest steal in the draft considered a tied for third with it with 10% along with AJ Griffin of the Atlanta Hawks. Um, the Blazers got to vote for which team's level of success will be hardest to predict, which I really like because I am having a trouble predicting their level of success. I kind of think they'll be mediocre, but I'd like, I don't, I don't have a good sense of what their ceiling or their floor is. Like I know kind of where I think they're land, but the middle is like, is I feel like, I feel like I'm okay on the middle, but I don't know the sort of how, how bad or how good it could be. The polls on either end. Uh, Damien Lord got a vote for best leader. Damien Lord got a vote for who do you want taking the last shot? But you know where Damien Lord did not get a vote? Who is the best point guard in the NBA? Wow. Steph Curry, 72% of the votes up from 57% the year before. He's your number one best point guard in the NBA. Hard to quibble with that one. Hard to quibble with that one. Luka Doncic is number two, 14% of the votes. Second best point guard in the league. Chris Paul, 
third best point guard in the league with 10% of the votes, and four, Atlanta's Trey Young, 3% of the votes. No one else got any votes. That's that. And the no one else means Damian Lamont, Ollie Lillard, was not considered by any team in the league, any of the 29 other teams, because I, I believe how it works, I'm not 100% sure about this, is that you can't pick your own guy. Um, so the Blazers couldn't have voted for Damian Lillard. So the 29 other teams, no one considered Damian Lillard the best player in the NBA. I don't think it's ranked choice voting. So it's not like it's not like a lot of these GMs consider Damian the second or third best point guard in the NBA and he didn't get a vote. But he got zero votes for best point guard in the league. And like, quite frankly, this is some silly posturpedic stuff. Like they are sleeping on Damian Lillard because I, while, while I think... Well, well, I do think it's true that that Steph and Luca are better than than Dame. Like, I, I don't, I don't think that's super controversial. Uh, Luka Doncic is a prodigy. Steph Curry's one of the the best to ever do it. You might be able to quibble with whether Luka Doncic plays point guard. He certainly plays point guard on offense. Uh, whether he plays point guard on the other end is, is um, I don't, I don't think he's ever guarded a point guard in his life. So, uh, what position Luka plays might be more of a debate than than whether he's the best point guard in the league. But so I, I think like. You know, without much controversy, those two are better than Dame. Chris Paul's definitely had a better career than Damian Lillard. Uh, you know, he's, he's he's one of the greats, one of the greats. Uh, and he was really good in the regular season last year. Really good in the regular season last year. So I don't I, I don't have too much quibble with Paul. Although I don't think that's I don't think that's like I I, I don't think that's everyone would agree with me there. In fact, some of you are yelling into your headphones right now that there is just no way that Chris Paul is better than Damian Lillard. Sure, fine. I think you could, that's like, we've reached the point where you could have a very reasonable debate. Trey Young had a better season than Damian Lillard last year. Trey Young, his counting stats were immaculate. Trey Young is one of the best passers in the league. He also averaged 27, 28 points per game last year pushing 30 and 10 in his fourth NBA season. He's really good. I don't think he's better than Damian Lillard. I think you could spin it that he might might be up there. And I think there's there's certainly going to be people in Atlanta, shout out to my man Brad Roland of Locked on Hawks, like that are that it could we could debate this a little bit more heavily, a little more thoroughly. But what is the best point guard? Is it the best scorer? Is it the best like floor general, or is this some sort of combination of those things? Neither Dame or Trey are good defensive players. Dame's level of production in the league has been consistently like he just has more like consistently better. Dame missed all of last season. That's why he's not on the this list. That's the actual spoken part about this, like or unspoken part about this. If Dame had played, he would have gotten a vote. He just only played 29 games and he struggled in those games. And this is like, again, this is sort of like a temperature test of right now. And again, this is ranked choice voting. This is like, who's the best point guard in the league? Many of these GMs might think Dame's second. But the idea that he isn't one of, that he isn't right in that range. And I think he's better than Trey Young. Maybe not for long. Trey Young is on the ascension. Dame, you know, they're 10 years, 10 years apart, right? Like, it's just like how time works. But... What, you know, I don't, I'm not like a hot takey guy on this podcast. Like I have takes. I'm not going to lie. Like I don't have takes. Like that's what, that's what the show is. But like, I'm not a screamer and pounding the desk. I'll pound the desk for you right now. I don't do that very often. Uh, it's not my style, but like, I think Dame's better than Trey Young. I think the body of work is better than Trey Young. And I think like comparatively, they'll be better than Trey Young. But here's the thing about this. It doesn't matter because, because here's what happens. 
Damian Lord goes out and is significantly better than Trey Young. And this is a thing to laugh at. This is a thing to poke fun at. If you're a Blazer fan, what you do with this is not like get no reason to get up all in arms. Just bookmark it. It's on NBA.com. John, John Schumann put it out. Bookmark it. And when you want to share it with your friends or share it with your Atlanta Hawks friends or send it out on your social medias when Dame goes nuts, do it. Because Dame's going to go nuts. Like, he's going to have a really good season. I have no doubt about it. He's looked good in preseason. If there was any concern about, like, his shooting or his burst, I think both of those have been there. The Blazers didn't look very good in their second preseason game against the Jazz, but Dame himself looks fine. He's going to be very, very productive this year. He's going to be one of the best point guards in the NBA. Is he going to be the best point guard in the league? Certainly, there's a high-end outcome where Dame is right up there with the best point guards in the league. And certainly, the low-end outcome is that Dame's like the fifth best point guard in the league, which is where he is like right off of this list. This is some Sealy Posturepedic stuff. They are sleeping on your boy. But what are you going to do? it's this is like this is worth i thought this was notable of all the sort of the where the blazers didn't didn't fall on the on the nba gm survey stuff sure but dame not being one of the best point guards in the league is like oh i didn't know that that is the outside perception is that he's fallen that far the fun part about this season is Damian Lillard getting to remind folks, yes, he is still a Hall of Fame point guard. He's going to be that dude, and I'm not, I am straight up not worried about him. I will, uh, I'll bring back these sleep number heads. <laughs> I'll bring back these Casper mattress fools. I will bring back these my pillow dummies. I'll bring all of this back up when Dame, you know, scores 61 in Atlanta later this year. Actually, the Blazers have traditionally struggled in Atlanta specifically. When Dame scores 61, when the Hawks come to Portland, I'll make sure to bring this back up that Dame is not one of the four best point guards in the league. All right, let's talk about the biggest NBA game that happened that was not an NBA game. That's what we'll do in the second segment. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Whatever that sports sports action is, you're going to find odds on it. Right now, it's football season. Uh, you know, it's it's about to be basketball season. And you can certainly bet on all your NBA preseason games. But the NFL's rolling along. We got college football all Saturday long. And they got more lines, more props, more odds on all things gridiron than you're going to find anywhere else. If you don't want to do football stuff, you can find basketball, you can find NHL bets, you can find tennis and golf and MMA, all of your combat sports, whatever you're looking for, soccer here and abroad as the uh, as the North American Soccer Leagues wrap up their seasons over the next couple weeks. It's all there on Bet Online. So go take advantage today. That's Bet Online where the game starts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond, and you are still listening to Locked on Blazers. I should have done that in the third segment, but we did it in the second segment, so whatever. Welcome to the welcome to the middle of the show where I screwed up my intro. The biggest game in the NBA happened last night, and it was not an NBA game. It was a prospect showcase held outside of Vegas in Henderson, Nevada, in which the G League Ignite hosted the Metropolitan 92s, a French league team that features presumptive 2023 first overall pick Victor Wembanyama and presumptive number two overall pick in the NBA draft Scoot Henderson. 
And all those two did was put on a monumental game. A game that has the whole league talking. A game that, quite frankly, I was at the Blazers preseason game and I said to uh, I said to a fellow media member who was there, I was like, I think we went to the wrong game. <laughs> like, I, I don't think we're supposed to be at Blazers Jazz here. Like, we are supposed to be, we were supposed to be somewhere else. Here's how big this game was. Uh, David Locke, founder of this podcast, host of Locked on Jazz, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, led his podcast off today on Locked on Jazz talking about Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson. That's how good they were. If you don't know who Wemby is, Victor Wembanyama is a seven foot four prodigy. He's like a, he has handles to take between the legs, step back threes. He can pass. He can block shots. In the game last night, he scored 37 points, blocked five shots and hit seven three pointers. Scoot Henderson had 28 and 10, 28 and 9. These are two can't miss prospects who are put in a showcase game who played like can't miss prospects. I've heard I've seen some people compare it to, and I was not alive then, so I can't really speak to it, but the the uh 1979 NCAA championship game between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, where it was like these two are the next two dudes. We know what's coming. And there was a buzz about the future of the league because of, of folks outside of the league playing. Um, you could argue that the 79 NCAA title game is was was like the beginning of the new era of the of the NBA. It was going to be ushered in by Magic and Larry Bird, and that was their their coming out party to say, "Hey, the 80s, we're going to save this league that's in trouble." They come in, they re- rejuvenate the league. Jordan comes in after that, and modern basketball is born. I don't know if Victor Wembanyama at seven foot four is going to like change the way the league goes, but I think everything we know about the direction that like the style of basketball that's heading and like the way sort of like youth development is working is that there's going to be more dudes who are bigger with freaky deaky Kevin Durant skill sets like a minute bowl on steroids Wembenyama is if you haven't seen the highlights go watch some like it's if you're watching this on YouTube just like click off the page I'm sure it's in your in your uh come back actually actually you know what don't click off the page watch the whole episode and then after that you know I'm sure it's in your suggested videos and if you're if you're a podcast listener like just pull up some Victor Wembenyama highlights Dude's a, dude's a freak. Like, I, I, I'm i not sure we've seen a prospect like this. Like, if you were, like, a little bit sold on Chet Holmgren, imagine Chet Holmgren, like, times 200%. He's, he's, he just has, he has a skill set and a size and a frame that we've never seen. And Scoot Henderson is, like, if, if Victor Wembanyama wasn't here, People would be excited about Scoot Henderson like they were excited about Allen Iverson coming out of Georgetown, like they were excited about Derrick Rose coming out of Memphis. Like this is the next great, you know, all-star Hall of Fame MVP point guard in the league. Scoot's that good. In fact, on Locked on uh, NBA Big Board, the uh, the uh, NBA draft show here on this network, uh, friend of the program, Raphael Barlow, talked about uh, how basically NBA scouts and, and Raphael super plugged in compared Scoot to every good point guard of the last 15 years. And they were even more excited about Victor Wembanyama. Here's the good news. This is Thursday show. You're listening to Thursday, October 6th show. If you're listening to this before noon Pacific time, 3 PM Eastern, they play today. They play on Thursday. So like it's on ESPN two, go check it out. Like it, it probably can't live up to the hype, but if anything could, it's that. So you might be asking, like, Mike, other than other than just being excited about basketball because you're a big basketball dork, like, what? why are you talking about this? And then the fair question, fair question, dear listener. 
it's because this that game and Wemby specifically his his prowess and his tantalizing skill set. Everybody I follow in the NBA draft world, including former guests on this program, Kristen Peake, said like Wemby could shut it down today and be the number one pick in the NBA draft nine months from now. That's how good he's been. That's how excited and enamored scouts are with his game. That means this season might see some of the most aggressive and egregious tanking we have ever seen. The short answer to your question is no, the Blazers aren't going to tank. The longer answer to your question is, yes, there is a scenario where injuries and things pop up and the Blazers pull the plug for a second straight season. But they're not, they're, they are built to be a competitive playoff team this season. Or like, fancy themselves as such. They are not a team that's that's going to be at the bottom of the, of the West. There are teams that are structured to be at the bottom of the West. San Antonio has one of the worst rosters in the league. OKC has a super young roster, and if they can figure out how to make up an injury for Shade Gilgis-Alexander, they'll be one of the worst teams in the league. Houston is super duper young. Uh, they might be a little bit better than they were last year, but they have so many first and second year guys on that roster. They're going to stink. Those are three awful teams. The Jazz are kind of caught in between being a little bit too competitive with Lowry Markin and Colin Sexton and Michael Conley and like really, really being bad. Um, the Jazz have a path to being really bad, but closer than anyone anyone else in sort of that middle of the West. The Kings, I think specifically, will try to make the playoffs. If any team should, should say like, hey, you know, we'll just continue our playoff throughout one more year. It absolutely should be the Sacramento Kings, but they're not going to do that. They're the Kings. They're going to, this is the year the Kings make the playoffs when everyone else tanks. All of that said is like, Plenty of bad teams in the East. Pacers are Pacers are horrific. I think the the Hornets have an outside chance to turn themselves into a pretty aggressive tanking team. Orlando's not going to be good enough to get there. They're going to be bad. Uh, like we'll see what. Like the Knicks aren't aren't going to do it, but they're like their roster is such that like you know Julius Randle misses a handful of games and they'll be near the bottom of the of the standings as well. They're also uh, also one of the truly bad teams. Uh, what do the Wizards do? Like all of these questions pop up because of how good Wemby is and because the number two prize, if you do not get Victor Wembanyama, is you get you get Allen Iverson, right? Like you end up with a you end up with someone who would be the number one pick in and pretty much all of the other drafts, at least according to the draft people I have. Um, I have read so far in the aftermath of this game. What this means is there might be more bad teams that allow the Blazers to stack up some wins, and it means playing bad teams early in the year before they've truly committed to tanking. And they might commit to tanking to like December 1st. Adrian Wojnarowski of, of ESPN said that there will be a race to the bottom. He said one NBA executive told him there would be a race to the bottom like we've never seen. On this podcast, Kristen Peake months ago said that she thought teams would start pulling the plug in December and start truly aggressively tanking in December because that's how good Wemby is. There are the Blazers got to fatten up on bad teams. They have to fatten up on bad teams if they're going to, you know, if you want them to be a playoff team. If you want them to tank, like sorry, they just mistimed it a little bit. Like <laughs> um and like we can debate the like sort of all of their decisions leading up to like you know why are they going for it this year with this roster why didn't they take another gap year and all these things their franchise pillar is 32 years old um he wants to be competitive and doesn't want to be on a team that wins 19 games and like it's you can't it's hard to do both it's hard to have dame and have dame happy and have dame you know on board with the plan and also the plan be to be super terrible when, because Damian Lillard is here, the Blazers are headed, their graphs headed in the other direction. They're not going to be in the Wemby sweepstakes unless something really goes south for them. 
which like, again, we can sort of debate the merit of that, um, timing and all of those things, but like, it's just the truth. What, it, what, what, it, how it impacts the Blazers more specifically is that there's going to be teams that maybe were in the middle that are going to be getting out of the middle fast. And that means that if you go on the road and you play, you play these, you know, the Pacers and you play Orlando and you play, uh, you play Charlotte and you play Washington and you, you, you go to the, uh, that swing through Texas and you hit San Antonio and Houston, you got to stack up on those wins. You got to stack up on those wins because those teams want to lose. They want to lose. So go ahead and give it to them. Giving away those games against true tanking teams this year is going to be more egregious than it's been in the past. Uh, and frankly, like if the Blazers are struggling and they're like 10th uh, in the West, which I think is like a totally reasonable outcome for them, like in March, I might be banging the drum for uh, not making the playoffs and getting in the lottery. Um, the, the like that borderline play in or or lottery spot, like if you're between 10 and 11 or you're 10 and you can get to 11, like that might be where we see the really egregious tanking. Other than the Kings, the Kings are going to go for it because they're a silly franchise. The Blazers, I think, will, they could find themselves in a situation where they do need to make some real decisions. And then being bad and developmental, like what the Rockets are doing is tanking, but they're like, Rockets have done it over a course of a few seasons and now their roster's just super young. They're not tanking. They're just playing a really young group and they're going to lose naturally by what happens with a young group. The Blazers would have to tank. And by that, I mean, rest, rest good veterans in order to lose. We'll, we'll, we'll revisit that in March if, if that becomes, uh, becomes an option because Wembenyama from what I, you know, I, I watched the highlights, the, some long form highlights of it. Cause again, I was at the Blazer game, a good reporter doing my job. Uh, trying to bring you a good podcast, but for, like he's just incredible, and Scoot was incredible too. Go check out those highlights if you haven't, and, and make sure you listen to Locked On NBA Big Board, uh, Locked On NBA Draft. Uh, Raphael Barlow had a great episode today. Uh, it was it was super fun talking about. He was in Vegas, and he's going to be in Vegas again. He he actually was in Paris earlier this week or last week watching uh, Wembenyama in person for two games. Like very few people have seen him as much as, as Raphael has. So uh, make sure you check out his show. All right. And to close the program, we're actually going to go to the third segment. I'm even going to get my intro right on this one. I got a listener question about the Blazers having five starters and double figures. That's what we'll do to close the show. Join me there. Won't you? Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to locked on Blazers. I got a question from Jonathan Sassy, and I'm pretty sure I get Jonathan's name wrong when, uh, when when they ask a question. Jonathan Sassy asks, it seems like all five Blazers starters could average double figures. Any idea when the last time that happened? I think the only way it happens is if Josh Hart wins the starting small forward role, because Nazir Little and Justice Winslow probably won't average double figures. Okay, I have some thoughts on this, but let's first get to the history books. The last time the Blazers had all five starters scoring double figures was the 2013-2014 season. That was the first year that Robin Lopez joined the program. Robin Lopez, LaMarcus Aldridge. It was just a really good team. Nicholas Batum, Wesley Matthews, and second-year Damian Lillard. That was the 0.9-second shot, shot to beat Houston, and they ended up playing the uh, eventual NBA champion San Antonio Spurs in the second round of the playoffs. Uh, that was the last time that they had all five starters. Uh, we got 82 games from Dame, 82 games from Wesley Matthews, 82 games from Nicholas Batum, 82 games from Robin Lopez, and 69 games from LaMarcus Aldridge uh, with, with the... Um, 
basically everybody played every game except LaMarcus missed 13. And all of those dudes, LaMarcus, 23 points, Dame, 20 points, uh, Wesley Matthews, 16, Nicholas Patum, 13, and Robin Lopez, 11, average double figures. Since then, the Blazers have had five players average double figures on multiple occasions. And they've even had five players who have been starters at different points in the season, see Ennis Cantor and, and uh, Yusuf Nurkic, 2019 average in double figures. But if you're talking start to finish, grain to bread, Averaging in double figures, the last time it happened was the 2013-2014 season, closing in on a decade ago, eight seasons ago, nine seasons ago, excuse me. But this, so that's the math, like that's the, that's the history books. But I think this, what I want to talk about is a little bit like what this means for the Blazers. I do think you're going to get four folks in double figures no matter what. Dame and Anthony Simons are going to score. I'm not worried about them scoring. I'm really not worried about Anthony Simons yet. If you are... Dial it back. He's going to make some three-pointers. He's going to be fine. Um, he's he's just missed some shots he can make. I'm, I'm, I'm truly, truly not worried about Ant's preseason production. Jeremy Grant's going to average double figures. He's just really darn good. Yusuf Nurkic is going to average in double figures because he's just, he you know, he gets enough offensive rebounds. He gets enough touches. He's he pick-and-roll partner. He's booked book Nurk for 14 a game. 13 and some change at a minimum. 17 maybe, like the best version of Nurk. But although I think that's relatively unlikely. But who starts at the at the small forward is going to determine this. I don't think any of the gentlemen who are going to start at small forward are going to average in double figures as starters. And let me be clear about why I think that. Last night I watched Josh Hart play a game in which he attempted one, one, numerical one, shot in the half court. Josh Hart is a beast in transition. One of the best transition players in the league. Someone I really love grabbing and going off the offensive glass. He is great at it. But he was a little hesitant in the half court. Justice Winslow is just probably not going to get enough shots up to average double figures. And Nazir Little looks a little out of it to begin this season. I'm not worried about necessarily yet. I'm not panicking on Nas by any means. But he, even then, I don't think any of those guys, if they're in the starting group, are going to get enough offensive touches to score double figures. It has to be, you need like those two elite scores, like the LaMarcus and... uh, LaMarcus and, and Dame, and then your sort of garbage guys of, of Batum and Robin Lopez to be right on the cusp. And Lopez had enough putback buckets and uh, enough opportunity that he scored in double figures. The Blazers have, because of this sort of relative, relative equalness of their talent in terms of Hart, Winslow, and Little, there's just none of them are going to get enough playing time that they're going to soak up guaranteed double figure scoring. I think that's one of the concern, one of my concerns and one of the reasons I do not think it will happen. But I think it speaks more to the Blazers sort of I think that Blazers have like a good top 7. I think I love their top 7 is good. I'm really worried about their depth after 7, but I think their top 7 has really really useful depth and they're and those top 7 and throw Winslow in there for 8, throw Keon if you want in there for 9, but let's say Winslow in there for 8. Though those top 8 have guys who are going to play and eat each other's minutes such that I don't think Jonathan that it's going to happen. But something certainly to keep an eye on and something that the Blazers, who have more useful wings than they've had in a long time, something to get a little bit excited about. Okay, tomorrow's show, the Blazers are going to play a preseason game. We'll talk about that one next week. Uh, Sunday, they also play a preseason game. Next week, we'll we'll wrap up that game. They play against the Kings on Sunday evening. We'll do some more season previews. We'll talk about what's happening in the league. The Blazers will wrap up their preseason slate. It's going to be a whole bunch of fun. Five days a week, wherever you get podcasts, make the show your first listen every day. How about you make your second listen, Locked on Fantasy Basketball. Nobody does it better than Josh Lloyd. Available wherever 
wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Just search Lockdown Basketball. You'll find it. You'll have fun. I guarantee it'll make you a better fantasy basketball player. Tell your friends about this podcast. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.